0: Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture, one conversation at a time. My name is Dr. Josephine Paladmo and my superpower is creating business cultures that transform organizations, team by team. Today, I'll be chatting to Casey Hill, the head of growth at Bonjoro, about his journey through entrepreneurship and the power of connection as a central theme in his success. I am sure you are going to love this. Hello, Casey, how are you? How are you going today?
1: I'm doing phenomenal. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm here with Casey Hill, who's the head of growth at Bonjoro. And Bonjoro is a personal video email platform helping businesses to improve connection with their customers in a world of automation. And I'm actually... An advocate of Bonjoro, so I love to talk about Bonjoro, but that's that's we might we might get into that a little bit later. But I was really keen to talk to Casey today because, particularly, he's got some um, real wisdom around, uh, particularly what connection means for our businesses, um, how and how that connection with customers becoming more and more important. But before we get into that, I was really keen, um, Casey, for people to just learn a little bit about you. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got here? Because I know you've had a really unusual career path.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be happy to, to take you through. Um, so a little over a decade ago when I was kind of kicking things off, um, I was in college and I started at a call center, which I hated, Uh, It was one of my first grown-up quote-unquote jobs, (laughs) and I came from a family of entrepreneurs. My father ran a business, my grandfather ran a business, my cousin ran a business, and so they'd always kind of pushed on me, um, pushed me to, you know, try stuff out, to experiment, and they kind of pushed me to go after stuff I was passionate about. And in college, I, I just didn't quite know, I was like, what is a business that I'm passionate about? I didn't quite know, but I eventually decided that at the time I was um, playing a trading card game called Magic the Gathering. And I decided I would try buying and selling of this.
0: I play that today. I just got into Magic the Gathering.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't played for a little while, but it's a, it's a great game. Um, and so I was, I started doing a little buying and selling and I, I figured out essentially how to get product for wholesale prices and one day i decided you know what i'm gonna write about like how i did it how i created the connection with the retailers and got this product um, at wholesale prices and i didn't really think much of it it was one night it was about five pages long i just wrote uh, a pdf and i had no idea of how i would sell it and i decided i was going to post it on ebay because ebay was where i was you know basically when i would buy a collection i would then resell it on ebay so i thought Mm -hmm. oh what the heck i'll I'll post it on ebay and so i posted on ebay and nothing really happened and i kind of forgot about it and then probably about a month later, this thing was still running and someone bought it 99 cents for my five page PDF. And I was like, oh my gosh, I sold my PDF and I was so excited. And I sent the person the PDF and then they left me a positive review on eBay. So I had that first, that first piece of customer proof, it left me a positive review. So I got a couple more, they trickled through and people started to ask me a bunch of questions like asking me a bunch of logistics. And a lot of my friends and people in my circle were like, Casey, like, this doesn't make any sense. You're you're getting a dollar and you're you know, you're spending 45 minutes of your time to write these people these answers. Um, but I think what I learned at that point, I, I learned a lot of things from this experience, which went on, by the way, to make me I think it was fifteen thousand dollars from this five page guide by the end of it, which is pretty, That's remarkable. pretty, good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty remarkable in and of itself. But what I learned was the power of customer proof and momentum because what happened was pretty soon I started to get a lot of people that were leaving really positive reviews. And because I was using eBay, that customer proof was there anytime someone came to buy a product that customer proof was there. And I started to raise my price $2.99, $4.99, $9.99, eventually $14.99. And I also started to learn about pricing because what was, what was incredible was that I actually started to sell way more, between $6.99 and $9.99 than I did at $0.99. So my product was 10 times as expensive, and yet I was selling five times, 10 times as much volume as I was before. So it was a very interesting lesson on price signals quality. It also was an interesting lesson that I had maybe only 20 or 30 people that bought it at the $15 price point, but because I could then use their customer proof, that helped me sell it downstream, right? And so it was this fascinating journey and kind of my first dive into entrepreneurship, which I kind of just stumbled upon. Um, But I think it really taught me a lot of interesting lessons. I bring up that example because I think it's when I first started to realize how powerful customer proof and customer advocacy really are. Right. And it just so happened that eBay was the conduit for that. But, you know, I kind of stumbled on that, I suppose.
0: <laughs> I, love, uh, I love that because often, often careers are like that. We just kind of fall into things. But, 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 but having said that, I think you had a, uh, quite an influence in your family because you had a family of entrepreneurs,
1: right? So there's the, there's, there is that context for you. Th- there is. And, and one of the things I've always found fascinating is I do think there is almost a mindset to this, Right. I think there's almost a mindset that if you like if you grow up around entrepreneurs, you might just not think that entrepreneurship is necessarily this big, scary thing. Right. And I think that people that don't have exposure to that, they maybe have that in their mind. and, And the blockers may be more actually just like their own perspective of it. Right. And their own way of thinking about risk versus some sort of actual like tangible blocker for them to get into that world. Right.
0: Absolutely. I absolutely agree. I think that we often set up with our own self-limiting beliefs about things and and particularly the our um propensity for or tolerance for risk is one of those areas that that we learn very early on. So, absolutely. I totally agree. And then so what happened after that? So, that was the the you were almost testing, you know, <laughs> your entrepreneurial muscle in college and then what happened after that?
1: Yeah, so after that I kind of started to juggle multiple things at once. It kind of entered this phase of my life, which I'm still in now, um, which is where I'm always doing several things at once. So I started working for a software company. I started working for an inbound software company called Ontreport and learning about landing pages and marketing funnels and all of this kind of stuff in the online tech world of, of kind of how to run a modern day business. And at the same time, I started to, in 2015, launch a card game business so i started uh, a business called hgc where i actually was manufacturing and producing physical games um one of those 800 funded on kickstarter in 2018 uh, called archon so i started on that journey of kind of and i ran that so while i was working at entreport i was also uh, building this tabletop business and i did both of those in tandem as well as consulting during that period as well. So as I started to learn a lot of these skills firsthand, so when I launched um, HGC, I was the only person, right? So essentially I was the marketer, I was the salesperson, I was the one doing PR and fulfillment and shipping. And so, you know, there was so many different things to kind of coordinate. And through learning a lot of those lessons, I then started getting into consulting to help other people that were on that similar side of the journey where they were just launching projects and. They they had no idea um, of how to start, and so that kind of started this chapter in my life where I would be doing, you know, almost always two or three um, kind of jobs uh, at one sitting, if you will.
0: Yeah, I can I can see that, and I can see that. Um... Perhaps you're someone that likes a lot of variety and and that because that juggling is quite scary to a lot of people. But but is that something that that you find energizing when you're doing a lot of different things and learning in that in lots of different contexts?
1: You hit you hit the nail on the head. It's all about the learning. I mean, that's been everything to me every year. I want to say how much more how much more kind of value in terms of what I know, in terms of what I can contribute. What has happened there? You know the price tag of you know what a job is paying me or or what I'm making from a business is actually far less important to me. Um, you know when I launched Archon, we had a good successful Kickstarter, but it was pretty expensive. I spent a lot of money on premium art and I made a lot of mistakes, not really knowing what I was doing. But to me, it was an incredibly valuable lesson because I learned so many key fundamentals. Um, even if I hadn't made a single dime of profit, I still think that would have been very worthwhile. And so. I think what I've tried to do whenever possible is, is to kind of have my projects and the things I work on have a little bit of overlap. You know, when I was working at the tech company, it was teaching me skills that I then applied because we were a tool that was being used, CRM and email marketing and landing pages. I used that tool to run my business that I was starting right on the side. So those skills were transferable. And then I was consulting people that were very early stage. They were also trying to set up systems for the first time, and so in a way, I was doing three separate things, but they all had the arc of commonality. So they all were kind of contributing and bolstering each other. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, and and I I to- I'm totally on your page, Casey, because I run three businesses, but I see the links between them, and 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 for me, it's actually the learning from one always flows into the learning from the other. But I, but I love that, you know, that you, what you're sort of talking about is a real growth mindset in terms of um, particularly, even if, you know your criteria for success is how much you learned rather than perhaps you know did you make did you make a lot of money or did you make the the six or seven uh figure and and because I think we focus on that in media particularly we sort of talk about entrepreneurship and successful entrepreneurship
1: as making those zeros and I think it's so much more than that isn't it it it, it is And, and one of the things I learned is how distorted the media's idea of entrepreneurship really is. So when I first started working um, in my capacity, I started working with a lot of entrepreneurs. The thing that shocked me is when I went through school, I had kind of the media's view of entrepreneurship. You see the person who makes a billion dollars and they start a unicorn and they're 20 years old and they create a tech company. And when I actually started working with real entrepreneurs, I realized a lot of these people are in their 40s. 50s, 60s, have had a successful career in something, and now they're looking to maybe spin it off. You know, they were an engineer, and now they want to create their own engineering business, or, you know, they were some sort of craftsperson, and, you know, and I started to see that, you know, the media has kind of painted this, this very 0.001% of entrepreneurship and painted it as if that is entrepreneurship, when in actuality, it's a much more diverse cast of characters from all sorts of different demographics that are kind of contributing and, and building these things up. And, and I actually, I just love that technology today has made it so easy. You know, Shopify, it's so easy now to spin up an online website and sell a product. I created a course business last year and it took me one day to put up a simple page. Right. And so that level of access and you have crowdfunding, which I talked about earlier, I was able to raise over $40,000 before I even put in that print run. How remarkable is that? That's another kind of democratization of of access to capital. I look at things like crowdfunding and I look at things like how easy it is now to get use these tech tools. And I think it's such an amazing time for people that are interested in starting their own project. I I say project because it doesn't have to, in my eyes, be a full business where you have 10 employees. There's so many ways you can be creative below that.
0: And actually, Casey, just on crowdfunding, because I know you were talking about Kickstarter and I know what Kickstarter is, but I'm sure a lot of people listening maybe haven't even looked at crowdfunding before or thought of that in terms of a way of kicking off an idea or because really I think of them as projects too. It's what do I want to express? And then that becomes, you know, the next business. But, But can you can you tell me a little bit more about how you found Kickstarter. So maybe maybe kind of break it down. What, what, what is it exactly for you? How did you use it? And what you found were kind of sort of some um, things that you did that made that successful for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Kickstarter, um, for anyone who's not familiar, is basically a platform where you can put out a product idea. So you might hop on and you have a little video and you tell people, I really want to build this thing. In my case, it was a strategy card game. Right? So I went and I got a bunch of reviews. I got a prototype and I sent that prototype to a bunch of review channels. I got like 10, 15 people to review it. And then I basically published it on this website called Kickstarter and I said, Hey guys, in order to actually print this thing, I need $5,000. $5,000 is the minimum amount of money that I need in order to do the minimum size print run with this company. Right? And what's cool about Kickstarter is you can always go beyond it because people are basically pledging for a specific thing. So in my case, they were pledging $20 for a copy of my game, right? As long as we cross that 5K threshold, the funding, then I'm saying I'm going to produce this and your $20 will get you one copy of this game. Um, And you could do different tiers too. So we won't go down the rabbit hole, but I actually custom engraved boxes. I hand, we hand carved or laser carved rather Um, basically the map from my game onto the top so we were selling $100 custom card boxes 8k of our 40k that we raised was from this custom tier that we made so that's a that's a whole nother discussion of strategy of of, of kind of how you can really maximize your fundraising with Kickstarter and with collectibles but the long story short is that we raised over forty thousand dollars from over twelve hundred customers um, in 19 different countries um, using that platform. And so for anyone who is interested in, they have an idea, you have a concept, but you're you're a little bit worried about committing too much resources before you know whether it works, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or a number of other crowdfunding platforms are a great way for you to validate your idea. It's wonderful, isn't it?
0: And again, it's actually about using that power of connection, isn't it? So, so because we can all do more, then then we can do you know individually we can always do more together so so obviously that's always been something you've connected with yourself that value of connection and real collaboration in a way tell me a little bit about what, where are your defining moments where you really learned that you were talking about those early days in in college where you set up that that business as well but it, yeah. what, what was it for you? Because a lot of people don't necessarily think like that. They think that success is I've got to do things on my own and I've got to master this individually. And if I can't do it on my own, you know, it, it, no one else can help me. So how did you how did you come to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess there, there's so many dimensions of connection. There's connection in and kind of a team sense. There's a connection with customers if you're starting a business sense. Um, So I'll kind of speak about it from a couple of different angles. I mean, one of the first experiences, as I noted before, was definitely that experience of if I really spent the time with those people who bought this very cheap guide, I could create advocates. So that was that was one of the early seminal moments that kind of started this train. But I think as I got older, I really started to pay attention to more of those moments. In fact, the company that I work at today, the way I found out about it, I was working as a sales manager at the company Entreport. And there was essentially, we had a challenge where we had a high rate of demo no-shows. People were, about 40% of people weren't showing up to meetings. We were trying to find a solution. And, you know, I had, before that, received a video from someone. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. In this video that someone sent me, they called me by name. They kind of made a joke of, oh, the weather must be horrible in California. And I was blown away by that service. And so I said, Hey, what if I plugged in something like that personal video and I used it for our demo no-shows and and basically tried to send a video every time someone books so I could put a human face behind that meeting. And suddenly our no-show rate fell in half when we did that. And it was this like light bulb moment where I was like, wow, when you, when someone books, if you have a human that pops up and says hello and kind of makes them feel like, Hey, this is, this is if I don't show up to this meeting on Friday, it's not just like I'm blowing off a random meeting from a salesperson, I'm blowing off Casey, right? Suddenly that dynamic nice. shifted, and I saw another one of those moments of wow, like that's someone who really cares about relationships. And, and another just quick example, because I was always, I always remembered this as well. I was going through Los Angeles and I stopped at an Indian restaurant, and at this restaurant, um, the, the, ho- the head, I don't know if he was the owner, or I actually don't even know exactly what his role is, but he kind of came by and he asked us where we were from. And we were just chatting with him for, for a moment. And he said, can I get you some beers on the house? We're like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, so he, So he brings out these beers and just the whole experience from start to stop. He brought out free dessert for us, all of these different things. It was such an amazing experience. And I I remember when I left, I was like, okay, this was super amazing. I'm guessing this is like a brand new place because this guy must be trying to like really, you know, build relationships and get five-star reviews on Yelp. And I went on and found that they had like 1800 five-star reviews and it was established and had been around for decades. And I thought that is remarkable. That is truly special. A business that has been around for that long and still has that level of personalization and care that was like another one of these moments like these these light bulb moments that kept happening in my life where i thought that's the power of connection and 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 so those are just some of the things especially because in the job i was doing i was working in the automation space and i still think there's tremendous value in automation and saving you time and increasing efficiency so i'm not anti-automation at all but what i do see is there's this tide in our society right now where we're getting drowned in information and in ads and just so many things thrown at us, there's so much noise. And I think the antidote to that noise is creating real connections. Right. I love
0: that Casey. And I absolutely agree. And I I really love what you said when you said that you were paying attention to those moments where connection is, really in the fore, it's being, it's being demonstrated. People are demonst- you know, they're demonstrating they care, they see us. And I think that's what the human experience is really about. And, and I, and we do lose sight of that. I know when we're bombarded with, with, you know, lots of information that's very depersonalized and, you know, there's this feeling that, that it's not, it's not really about me. It's not personal to me. Um, and I think that, that, you know and you're in the business in some ways of you know sort of um software and, and automation too i think sometimes we do that in automation in a clunky way we attempt personalization but it kind of comes out like you kind of know oh they, that's not really personal i know i'm just you know a field in a in a in a, in a you know in a you a,
1: co- a bit of code so i think it's that i think it's got to be authentic yeah i think i think it has to be authentic and i think we also have to think about relationships so one of the things i think it's so important right. is a relationship is bi-directional you can't there's you can't develop there's no way to develop a relationship by just sending you could send someone the best content in the world that's still not a relationship until that person starts communicating back with you and you start having actual conversations and so i think that you know of course when you're sending emails you know i i do email strategy all the time and I talk about segmentation and I talk about subject lines and you know I have a whole background too in kind of postmaster deliverability world so there's all those logistics but that at its root is not a relationship I think that relationships start when you take your time when you take time out of your day to really invest in having those conversations so like I work for a personal video tool and I think there's a lot of wonderful things about the video medium. You know, you can see facial expressions, you have tone, there's there's all these powerful parts, um, all these powerful emotions that can be created through sending someone a video. But more important than that, I think is the person taking time out of their day to show a customer how valuable they are. And I think there's actually a lot of ways you can do that. You could write a handwritten note, you could call yes. someone, But, but once you start having that back and forth, that's where something new opens up something that's that's profound and I think that's where the relationships start to develop
0: yeah that's wonderful and it's what we talk about too when we're customer advocates you know I I've got a story too where for uh, like you you know I the, my favorite restaurant is the restaurant I go to where you know, they give me a free, it's an Italian place, and they give me a free limoncello, which is from Sicily, and it's alcoholic um, lemon liqueur, very mm. alcoholic lemon <laughs> liqueur. <laughs> but you have it after your meal as a kind of digestive. It's part of the tradition there. And, you know, the the owner comes over and talks to you. It's kind of getting, it's getting that, isn't it? And you can tell yeah. that this is not a, it's not, It's absolutely authentic. He he loves to know who his customers are. Whether he's actually been a great host, it's that. It's not. It's not a burden for him. You never feel like he's. You know, you feel like this is the
1: best part of his day or or evening is actually talking to me. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And I I think that you know we we hear a lot. People say like, be authentic, be authentic. And sometimes you know I've had people come to me and say, Casey, like that sounds great, but what does that even mean? Be authentic. And to me, what it essentially boils down to is you, when you communicate, let's say that you're communicating with someone, sending them an email, sending them a video, whatever you're doing. Um, If you're a high energy, upbeat, really like gregarious person, then show that. But if you're an introverted, more kind of reserved person, then show that it's okay. You don't, you don't need to mask. And, you know, it's not like the only way you can succeed with this channel is to, you know, be super chatty and be over the top smiling you know if that's your style awesome but it's okay to embrace whatever your style is and i believe like you were kind of saying that people can see that if you're doing it for the right reasons if people can see if it's authentic you know you don't want to put on this kind of face and then be like and people to think oh they're just doing that to sell me something no it has to really be you authentically want to develop a relationship with these people because you care about your customers that's why you're in business that's why you're doing what you're doing is because you care enough about this thing that you want to make it better in the world right absolutely absolutely Casey
0: unfortunately we, we're gonna we're gonna close off now but that's been an um, it so it's been so great talking to you Casey I'd love to have you back just to have another conversation because I think we can we can keep talking about other topics but in particular I'm one of the takeaways I'm, I'm Feeling at the moment is I'm going to look into my week and, and think about all those moments that I want to create because I'm, you know, I can deliberately sort of structure that, that into my into my week and make sure that I'm spending the time because otherwise you can spend your time doing other things and not really doing the things that your clients your customers care about. So thank you for that, for reminding me about that, Casey. I'm not, I'm going to do a little check. I'm
1: going to do a little review. So.
0: Um, was there anything else you wanted to, to just say, just in closing? I'm going to give you the last words.
1: Um, no, I mean, really, I, I think we covered on, on, on really the core thing that I wanted to get across to people, which is just the value of relationships and how sometimes it can just be really small gestures, small gestures in your everyday kind of routine that shows people that that you really value them. And so, um, yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was it was fun.
0: Great, thank you, Casey.
1: Alright, cheers.